Something that I didn't get turned on to until a lot later um, is the uh, the song that closes out Goldeneye, which I absolutely love. Um, which one is that? It's called The Experience of Love, which is this right here. And it's a really laid-back tune. I There's just something about this song that I really, really dig. It's not Bond in the slightest. It feels almost like it should be like a Phil Collins song. It does kind of sound like that, doesn't it? But um, I dig it. I can't remember where I, can, I, I can see it. why they use it for um for the credits. It's very very cool, chilled out. Apparently, he composed this. Uh, the 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 artist who did the song, Eric Serra. Hmm. He composed the GoldenEye uh, score. Oh, before I forget, mm. um, if I remember right, License to Kill was not John Barry. I think it was actually Michael Kamen, who was responsible for Lethal Weapon. Oh, really? The music for Lethal Weapon, at least. Oh, nice. Well, it was around about the right sort of time. He would have been quite a big hitter in Hollywood, so it wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Especially... It's either License or Daylights, but I remember one of them... Uh, see it, it was one of them i think yeah it's michael Kamen. okay yeah because john barry was having throat surgery so they were like oh well, lethal weapon uh that's a pretty good movie <laughs> which it is it is it is it's a good fit great series even the fourth one i'm not even gonna i enjoyed the fourth one i think it yeah. summed everything up really nicely it tied everything yep. up everyone had a baby you know it was it was good mel, fun. mel gibson doesn't have mental well in, in that world he doesn't have any Psychological issues. No, nobody got called sugar tits. It was all a, a very, a very fun. It's film. A very good time for everyone. It was a great time for everyone. No, nobody knowingly said anything an anti-Semitic. It, it was. God, it was... looking back at those films, this gives you. Oh man. You can't really watch them with the same eyes you did before he nowadays, just, can just, you? In one fell swoop, he turned his entire career to shit. Yeah, which is a, a shame. It is a shame because. I can still enjoy those movies, but think of all the other movies we could have had. Even as the old The size of man. an Israelite. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these nails I'm going to put through his hands. They're the yeah. size of a tangerine. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, enough chilled out music. Next film. Um, this was a bit of a weird one, because they actually it's a country had a, singer. They had a competition to... Um, to write the theme tune for Tomorrow Never Dies. And, of course, as we all know now, Cheryl Crow won it. Somehow. Um, and have you heard the pulp version? Oh, Tomorrow Never Lies? Yes, yeah. It's good, but um, it's I can see why they didn't go with it. It's And I love pulp. Mm. Pulp's one of my favorite bands. Uh, I think they're one of the greatest bands that ever lived, bar none. Um... I can see why they didn't go with that song, though. It's a little too not accessible. No, I mean here's the thing: watching it's sexy as hell. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, the um, pulp song is like that's a credits theme. If Tomorrow anything. Never Dies was the first Bond film that I watched in the cinema, um, and I've watched every single other one in the cinema since, with the exception of Die Another Day, which I heard really bad things about, and I just decided not to bother. Well, We'll talk about that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. But um, when watching this film, 
I completely bought this as the opening theme. It just fit. Oh, it's a good theme. It's, uh, it's a cool theme. It's There's not... just one problem. Which is? Cheryl Crow can't really hit high notes. You're absolutely right. <laughs> and whenever she gets to them, it just sounds like her voice is going to give out. <laughs> and it kills me because for a, for a while... Okay, there was a time when I didn't, I couldn't really analyze, you know, voices. I couldn't really yeah. analyze singing, right? Mm. Uh, if you ever taken a music appreciation course, it becomes very easy to pick up on like what someone can and can't sing. Yeah, you know, like, like you'll hear someone like, I, I, uh, let me get. Here's a good example that my professor used. Uh, do you guys know who Paul Potts is? Uh, yes, so, I think he was on Britain's Got Talent. He he did like a lot of opera style yeah. songs, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was self trained. But if you listen to a singing and you don't have any knowledge about, like, you know, how a voice is supposed to sound, mm. it sounds, he sounds amazing. Yeah. Right? But if you were to jump from that and to someone like Pavarotti. Yeah. Rest in uh, peace. Or, or like a trained singer. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you hear the difference. Uh, oh, where speaking of the, which. The voice, the voice will stay on the note. Like, whereas someone yeah. like Paul Potts, he just, he just kind let's of just, Let's can't. just listen to her trying to hit this. Oh my god. <laughs> it kills me every time because it's not a bad song. She but just... whenever I hear her voice, it's like I can't believe they put this out. It's like she she kind of turns the note up and then down again. Like she doesn't no, maintain it. She, she just goes she just can't hit it. She just goes up and down like it, it gives the illusion of her hitting a note. But she loses like all the power in her voice when she hits those high notes. Yeah. And it just, it's just, it's a shame because when it's like, you know, when it's on the middle, it sounds kind of, it sounds fine. I think this is a case where, as much as I hate to say it, because I'm not the biggest fan of hers in the world, um, somebody along the lines of um, Mariah Carey would probably yeah, have not probably would have been a lot better doing yeah. this, you know. Yeah. Um, and 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 Carey, like, I'm not a big fan of hers either because she can sing, but she has no emotional depth to her voice. She just does vocal gymnastics for the sake of it. Basically, basically. Um, that being said, she would have been better suited to that song. Mm. And and I'm not going to say Crow didn't have any emotional depth to her voice because she kind of does. It's just clear that she can't. She can't do the task that she's that she's supposed to do. This isn't necessarily the right song for her voice, which is strange because no. you would imagine that she wrote it. So where the I don't know. It's it's very strange. But I I like the song. And to be honest, like you know, come to think of it, now that I'm, now I'm realizing Pulp did a theme, Jarvis Crocker probably could have done this one fine, um, <laughs> Quite or possibly. at least didn't done it in his own style, you know? Yeah. Um, the 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 song from the credits. I kind of just want to get to that because I hate hearing Cheryl Crow try to hit these notes. The song from the credits, which was Surrender. Surrender. Here we go. By Katie Lang. The song that we should have had. Yeah, that we were about to have, if I remember right. Oh, this is that's this is it. This oh, is that man. bassy kind of theme. Yeah, it's got the horn. The difference is I that she has a very husky well. voice. Yeah, but I don't mind that at all. Like, no, but I'm saying like like that's the only thing that separates this from like a bassy song is that Katie Lang's voice is very husky. You know There's what? There's a big difference. Me. This reminds me of Louis Armstrong, strangely. 
I could see that. I mean, it's not as gravelly, of course. No, no, no. I would say, like, it has the appeal of Nancy Sinatra's voice, but the difference is Katie Lang can sing. Oh, Katie Lang is fucking amazing. Yes. Everybody's One of Canada's favorite. finest exports to music. Everybody's favorite Canadian lesbian. Yes. <laughs> Mainly because I can't as think we of know. any. I can't think of any other Canadian lesbians to be honest with you. Oh man, listen to that chorus. How do they have her sing the ending credits and have Cheryl Crow sing the opening God and knows. no one said, I don't "Hey, Cheryl's know. really not hitting these notes." Because here's the thing: like you listen to KD Lang here. She never overextends herself. No. Like, she is blasting it out, but it never well, feels Well, no, but she, like... she has that lower voice, you know? Mm. But she's got the capacity to... She's hitting she, all those she knows, notes. She knows she her limits. She, yeah, yeah. She's a clever singer in that she knows where she can and can't go, and she writes the song to suit that. But it's a fucking good song on top of all of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I first heard this on the... Yeah, when I first heard this on the credits, I was like, you know, I was like, oh, that's a really good song. Years later down the line, when I got into Bond even more, I look back at this and I keep thinking to myself, this really should have been the theme. Yeah. I definitely agree. <laughs> she kills it, man. And I'm not even, like, the biggest fan of Katie Lang's music. Not to no. say that it's bad. It's just not my, you know, it's just no, not my preference. I think um, I remember hearing one of her other songs, and I can't. Off the top of my head, I can't. She's primarily like a country-style singer. She is more that way, yeah. I'm Much like Cheryl Crow, but the difference is she she's she's a singer, you know. She yeah. she has that vocal presence that Cheryl Crow doesn't. Cheryl Crow, her her voice in the intro sounds like she's constantly just gonna die off. She does sound sound very croaky, Cheryl Crow in yeah. general. A little bored. Maybe a little bit bored. Um, no, but moving on. As much as I like Surrender, we're, we're coming up to an, about an hour and a half, if not already past. We're almost done. We're almost done. We're nearly there. We're getting there. But ne next up, this is a band I never thought would do a Bond theme. They just didn't I am glad seem... they did. I, same here. Because this, like, this does not sound like garbage in the slightest until Shirley They're starts belting it out. Oh, I love, I love garbage. The band. Yes, yes. Yeah. And also the household waste. Uh, yes. I mean, they. Um, I'm really glad that they were picked. Yeah. But I didn't think they would ever do a Bond theme in retrospect. I do want to say that, um, they, you know, they, they're pretty big here. I don't know how big they were in the UK. They were big uh, up to and including the time that they did this song. But then they kind of went away for a bit. They're still remembered really fondly here as as one of those uh you know it's like a 90s sort of grunge band. Yeah. So people really look back on them fondly. Uh one of my friends his sister is they're they're basically like her favorite band. Mm -hmm. Uh so they they still have a lot of like nostalgia. And I think they still make music. They recently I think they did a song Yeah, they recently did a song for the Phantom Pain for the trailer. I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not your kind of people. That's the song they did, which I guess means Kojima is a big fan. <laughs> you know, I don't uh, blame him. This is yet another case of song really good movie. It has ups and downs. It does. I do think this is a better film than um, Tomorrow Never Dies, though. I I would agree. 
I, I think the good thing about the world is not enough is that, I mean, first of all, you've got no idea where the title comes from until you suddenly realise that it's the family motto of the Bond family. Yeah. Which is a really cool little way to tie everything in. It brings back characters that I absolutely love, um, namely Robbie Coltrane's character, um, who has the best throwaway line in Bond history. I don't care what anyone says. Which which line? I am looking for uh, my cousin Yuri. He is... Uh, so, oh, what was it? It's something about being the driver of a submarine. <laughs> um, he bursts into the room while uh, Bond is being tortured. And uh, he, he says, I am, look I am looking for my cousin. I remember he, the scene, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's just such a wonderful scene. And then he gets done over and then he looks like he's, ta he's taking aim at Bond and you're like, with his dying breath, he's finally going to get revenge on Bond for giving him that limp. And then he does the unthinkable and actually helps Bond out. Yeah. Which is the biggest fucking deus ex machina thing that you've probably seen in, the, in that movie. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I actually... Uh, I like it. The more I think about the movie, I really like it. It's a good film. I, I love... Um, what's his name now? Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. That villain is just a really, really clever idea. Ron Villain. Like, the, the idea that um, he can't feel pain, he can't feel anything. Um, so he's not necessarily a physically imposing opponent, but it's but keeping he is, the guy down. Persistent. Yeah, it's keeping him down. He's a fucking Rottweiler. He's like a... He's, he's going to grab hold of you and he's not going to let go. Um, and also the idea that they brought Stockholm Syndrome into it and that the girl that you thought was the good guy. She was good too. She was amazing. Sophie uh, Marceau? Yeah, yeah, superb. I really bought her as being the, the Bond girl all the way through until they finally turned her on you. And you're Because I was like, okay, why the fuck have we got two Bond girls in here? Why is uh, Christmas, Dr. Christmas Jones? Uh, uh, Christmas only comes once a year. Um. That is, uh, yeah, she's the weakest <laughs> part of the movie. Yeah, I, I'm not I buy I buy Denise Richards as a scientist she's about hot. as much as I buy um, Scott Steiner as a math professor. <laughs> <laughs> one plus one equals three! You know what? That that's unfair. I I buy Scott Steiner as a math professor more. <laughs> oh man, I'm not crazy about Denise Richards and her, her uh, stupid looking eyebrows. She's, she's fucking hot, but she's not a great actress. <laughs> no, she's not. I don't even think she's that hot. It's her eyebrows that kill me. Well, maybe not anymore. Um, I don't know. Back in the day, she was. Um, by the way, yeah. for anyone wondering, this is the Moby remix of the James Bond theme playing in the background at the moment. Uh, I left it on shuffle, so it's just good. I like it. It's a good remix. I bought the uh, the single back when um, the film came out. I think was this off of. I think this was off of the back of Tomorrow Never Dies. I could be wrong, um, but he released a single, and there were like six tracks on the thing, which that's pretty much unthinkable for a single, at least in the UK. Like normally, you get like the single and a B-side, but you got six tracks, and it was all different mixes of the Bond theme. And to my horror, I realised not too long ago that during a clear-out, I threw the CD away. Oh, and I've well. got no idea of how I would find the rest of those remixes. But there's some good stuff on there. Um, I gotta look it up. I'll, I'll have a look for it later. But what I love about I'm a this... Fan, I'm a fan of Moby's work, of uh, you mm. know, his body of work. Well, what I love about this Moby theme is that he feeds in little bits of Bond movies here and there. Like, there's the famous scene from Goldfinger 
do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Um, and it has uh, Pierce Brosnan's uh, first introduction as, as Bond, James Bond. It kind of uses that in there as well. Um, he's a clever songwriter and uh, DJ in general. I, I, just, I really do like Moby. Um, I got play. I got play on CD, so you're not going to hear any complaints from me. <laughs> Good stuff. He's he's a great artist. Especially yeah. a lot of people don't listen to a lot of his early '90s stuff, but a lot of that stuff is fantastic too. Mm. Um, something I just realized: John Cleese is in this movie. Yes, um, because they realized that Desmond Llewellyn wasn't getting any younger. They had to. Uh, <laughs> that's, some... Well, that's unfair. But he wasn't. He, he really no, wasn't, no, he know. wasn't. He he was borderline immortal at that. Yeah, point. Yeah, they realised that they needed to bring someone in to replace him, and they decided to go with John Cleese. Which, at the time, I was a big fan of that idea because I I really enjoyed his delivery, his sense of humour, and I think in those films it really works because what they were looking for was someone to take over that kind of antagonistic relationship, but they wanted someone that could kind of stand up to Bond in terms of his quips and his uh, withering uh, retorts you know and John Cleese did that really well but watching Ben Whishaw in, in the Daniel Craig movies I'm just like this is the best one like yeah. Desmond Llewellyn aside and I know that means that you're only left with John Cleese and Ben Whishaw for who the best Q is because um, I'll tell you right now uh, Desmond Llewellyn is the best Q. He he is Q. Sixty-three to ninety-nine. You can't really beat that. You can't beat that. He's only friends. He's only friends with Dalton, though. Yes. Yeah. But I don't mind that. No. I don't mind that. Don't it, touch it, that. It, it lends credence to the theory that there are different James Bonds. Yeah, but I've never liked that theory. It, it was a. It's a cool concept. To it's me. an. It's an interesting concept, but it means throwing away all of that backstory. Um, that is true. You know, the growing up, uh, like the, the idea that they've spent all this time examining Bond's background with Daniel Craig, Skyfall and, and all that kind of stuff. See, there's, <laughs> you can also consider the whole, uh, oh, the more years. Oh, those, that was just uh, Timothy Dalton going through PTSD. <laughs> yeah, he was just he was, those were all dreams. Those didn't happen. Yeah, I mean that's the strange thing, isn't it? That you could go Jared from Pepper, come on. Yeah, you could go from that would Roger never Moore happen all the way through to Timothy Dalton. Like that, this can't be the same guy, but somehow it is, and we accept it, and that's the beauty of of Bond. That's the beauty of Bond. That's the beauty of Bond, and also this is this is why um, there have been arguments about other film characters being portrayed by different actors. I've heard a, like there was a something a few years back where people were, where people were really mad that uh, that other people were like, oh man, Idris Elba would be really cool. I think he you would. Know? I think he would. But I can understand um, the the guy that wrote the uh, Trigger Mortis, the most recent Bond book, yeah, was kind of misquoted um, or quoted out of context, I should say, when he said that Idris Elba was too street for the part, and a lot of people took that as being, oh, street is code word for black so he's he's black that's what he why he thinks he wouldn't be a good bond i mean had someone said that here that basically be what they meant yeah but i mean this guy's like british to the best of my knowledge um and the thing is if you actually read the full quote what he said was in my opinion adrian lester would be a very good bond adrian lester for anyone that doesn't know he was on a british show called the hustle um and he's a uh, a black actor who 
is very good at playing kind of posh characters. And so I genuinely think that in this case, the author, um, whose name I don't know... He'd uh, seen... you. What you're basically saying is he'd seen Luther. He'd seen Luther. He'd seen Luther. He, he thought Elba was a great actor. And when, when, he, when he said Two Street, I think he literally meant he's too rough and ready, he's too kind of... Yeah. Or, mate, how's it going kind of thing. Whereas Adrian Lester was very kind of like, oh, how'd you do kind of thing. And he feels like Adrian Lester would be a better fit for Bond. He didn't mean street in terms of he's the wrong race. He literally just meant just it in meant delivery. He's too rough and ready. That's exactly you it. You did yeah. you did hear a few like, you know, off the off the loony bin people saying like, oh, uh, you know, Bond should be played by a British person. I don't give a shit as long as Implying I implying accent. like, oh, white, you know? Oh, and that, that's fucking I know that was a thing well. that people, like, yeah. No, I don't give a shit. I mean, they're, they're, and in fairness to the Bond purists, because there are some out there that will say, no, Bond should be played by a white guy because that's what he was in the books. In fairness to them, but I not, mean, there were enough people angry that an Australian played Bond. Exactly, yeah. But, you know, uh, not in fairness to all of them, because I'm sure there's a bunch of racists mixed in there. Um... A lot of the Bond purists were pissed off when Daniel Craig was cast because he's blonde. Yeah. Now that yeah, shows that. you that shows you how pernickety Oops. some Bond fans can be about the actor that plays the character. You, you know what my mentality hair. is? Yeah. As long as you look cool in a suit and you can pull off the you know, the character, I think, you know, I wanna see it. That's exactly it. As as far as I'm concerned, the only requisite for being a, a James Bond is and the feminists will hate this, but you've got to be male. Yep, because it's part of the character. It's it really part is. of his character at his deepest his name core. Is his name is James. He, his name is James, but the deepest core of his character, he's a womanizer. He's broken. Um, you know, it. You could translate that to a female character, but there'd, well, there'd be no point. I think just make that a you new would, character. Yeah, but then I think you would be accused of being sexist because suddenly you're making her out to be a massive whore. And it's like, well, there's no difference. It's just that one's male and one's female. But yeah. I, I genuinely think... Which is, think, if you think about it, the most feminist perspective you could have on it. Well, if you portray it as being uh, her choice and, you know, yeah. my body, I'm enjoying having sex with these people, then, yeah, fuck it. Whatever you want to well, do. Well, you know, Jessica maybe. Jones is about to come out, so... Man, I'm so looking forward to Jessica Jones. Just the a few days. I think we got come. five days left. Oh, man. I am fucking psyched for that. I'm hoping it just lives up to the comic. I um I think it will be. I from what I'm hearing and, and what that trailer suggests, it looks like it's going to be very horror kind of themed. Um, yeah, yeah, which, uh, like which is of. the right way to go, I think. With uh, a character especially like Kilgrave, yeah. You no, know, someone like the Purple Man. Mm. I am. Uh, I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of people who are like you know, they're ang- you know, ang- what's the proper term? Anglophile. We a Brit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We a Brit. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna watch it just because of David Tennant, and I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're getting into. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know because what would be a better term for them then? Uh, we are who? We are who? Yeah, because they probably well, I mean, love these, him because it, of Doctor Who. It's not just who. that they watch Doctor Who; they watch stuff like Sherlock, which. Uh, oh man! But that, know, worked like, so, that worked liked, so much better. I liked better. that show for about two seasons, and then it jumped the fucking shark. I don't know. I I still like it. I really. You didn't it. think it was a little crazy with the whole, with the whole? Oh, you're just attracted to psychopaths. No, not really. I don't know. That was a bit much for me. No. And I was just like, all right, I've I've, I've kind of lost interest at this point. I don't Those it. first two seasons were great. Though. They're doing a um, 
a Christmas special of, of Sherlock, uh, which is actually set in the correct time period, which should be a lot of fun. So That's I'm, pretty cool. I'm, yeah, so I'm going to watch that, and uh, that, that should be good fun. But no, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Doctor Who. I'm a big fan of Sherlock. and um... I mean, I like Doctor Who too, but keep in mm. mind, like I was watching Doctor Who in a point where only stoners did, really. Because <laughs> we had it on sci-fi over here. Oh, and I it see. it was one of those things that wasn't really huge. No, not until um, BBC America kind and of I, and I, I'm always And I'm always going to prefer Eccleston to Tennant. Not to say Tennant's bad, but like I started with Eccleston. Yeah, uh, not counting like it. the Fourth Doctor because they showed that on PBS when I was a kid, and my uncle was a fan. Yeah, um, but I, I always liked the Eccleston stuff, and but yeah, when Tennant came over here, Tumblr blew up, and uh, you well, you know where it got from that point. Mm, yeah, you know, and then it's like, oh, Doctor Who is the best British show and stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I'm not sure. It's I mean, it's pretty good, but British show. I'm not. Sure I I, I really like Life on Mars. Is the last thing I really really enjoyed that did very well um and luther i'm a big fan of luther luther's a good show i i um i haven't seen too much of it but what i've seen so far it's there is that show good. tenants in that i don't remember what it's called but he's basically it's it's like a seaside village oh god Broad investigating a murder i think it was originally called Broadchurch, and then they yeah made an Broadchurch. Church, that's what it is yeah because there was an american remake and they actually cast him in the same role Really? Yeah, and he put on an American accent, which is fine because he can do an American accent. But yeah, some like, people can't. It. Just watch Broadchurch. Carrie always. Yeah, just watch Broadchurch. Yeah, watch Broadchurch. Uh, I think we've. Can we keep delaying talking about Die Another Day? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't really. I suppose. Um, okay. uh, this theme sucks. It does. It starts it... with great promise. And I love the. Um, the info, the the, um, the video that goes with it, but flamenco has no place in a Bond theme. Um, not unless it's taking place in Spain, no. And it's actual flamenco. And that might what, work. And what the fuck is this? Not a Bond theme. <laughs> Very clearly not a Bond theme. I keep thinking that my fucking audio is cutting out. Oh my god, I hate this song. Everything about this movie. Fucking there's, sucks. There's one thing in this movie that I think looks kind of cool, and I guess the only thing that I really think is cool is kind of Rosamund Pike's character. I do love Rosamund Pike. She's really cool. Like her character is really cool, but she doesn't do a lot. Correct me if I'm wrong. She doesn't do a lot of talking. She's mostly like she's the villain. She's window dressing. Yeah. She's not. She's not the villain. Villain, but she's like the jaws of the movie. She. The 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 thing about the Pierce Brosnan um, movies is that. They very quickly um, kind of establish this idea that there are going to be two Bond girls. One of them is going to be the bad guy. But we might not tell you straight away which one that is. No, but you kind of know with Rosamund Pike. It's established fairly quickly, but... Yeah. She's just, like, uh, she's really the only thing I like about the movie. I like her, but also, I I think, um, and again, my memory for actors' names is terrible. The villain in this movie that ended up in um, Homefront, or whatever the hell that show's called, uh, Ginger Damian Guy. Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis. Great actor, by the way. Very good way. actor, and I wouldn't be against him coming back as Bond at some point. I don't know he, if he's too He old. was on a really good show called Life. Yeah. Yes, uh, I know about which this. Which is actually one. one of my favorite shows uh, that got canceled. Mm. It got put up on Netflix a little while ago. 
but it's a great concept. It's just a great show. Yeah. Uh, and he's a really good actor, and I was really happy to see him in Homefront. Mm-hmm. I like Lie to Me as well. That's nothing to do with Damian Lewis. It's just shows that were cancelled too soon. Tim Roth. Yeah, we got two seasons. They got a few seasons though, got didn't two they? Two seasons of Lie to Me, and then they cancelled it with no warning, which is fucking oh, yeah. stupid because that show was fantastic. It was really cool. It was really, really good. It's like I, I love the balance. I, we're just avoiding talking about this movie, aren't we? Um, Basically. Yeah. Um, well, let's. I mean, let's just sum it up as this movie sucks and has too much green screen. There is far too much CG. It's got. This is really. Car. This is really Brosnan's uh, view to a kill. It is. It is. And, uh, and yet it's, it's much worse than view to a kill. It's a shame that this came at the very end of his tenure. Because if he... Oh, pardon me. It's two o'clock in the morning. It's half past two, even. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, I, I've I've got commitment to the cause here. Um, if this had been kind of like his second to last movie, and if, for argument's sake, you swap the world is not enough and die another day around, then it's not such a disaster. But unfortunately, you're only as good as your last Bond film, and his last Bond film was fucking terrible. Yeah. So what it I really like, comes off as as they were just trying to get out his last Bond film out of the way. Yeah. I mean, what I do it's like. Just, it, Madonna's in this movie. She is. And she's, she's a cameo. She's probably better in the movie than she is as singing in, on the movie. For this song, look, she had her time in the 80s. Um, I'm not a big Madonna fan. I know Felipe is, at least for a few songs. The thing is about Madonna is that she's very good at constantly reinventing herself. And yeah, again, but I'm you not, know, I'm like, not, so was Cher. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not massively against this song per se. It's, it's another Sam Smith for me I don't mind the song in isolation but when you try to tell me that this is a Bond theme yeah then yeah, I'm that, just that, gonna then tell we have you problem. yeah I'm gonna tell you to go fuck yourself because it's not um, this spoilers is my second worst Bond theme of all time I can I, I'm guessing I know what number one is then oh you know for certain what number one is but yeah because it might be mine it. also this is <laughs> I can't tell if this is my number one or my number two what number? Uh, what worst? You know what? I, I would actually put number two, because as bad as it is, it um, it's it is memorable. It's got strings. In I'm it never, I'm never gonna through. forget this song. No, that's true. It has percussion. Yeah. It has elements of tension in it. Like it's just that it doesn't work as a Bond song. And it does contain the title of the film in it, which I know is not a massive thing, considering that my the next two um songs that we're going to listen to neither of them are titled after the movie but they are fantastic songs nonetheless yes so, uh, so next we get off. another American artist fucking we get American amazing singer songwriter from the legendary grunge group Soundgarden Chris Cornell Chris Cornell surprisingly putting in one of the best Bond themes I've ever heard favourite Bond theme uh, with the exception of the James Bond theme, I think this is my favourite Bond theme of all time. This, this is really good. This would have been really good for a Dalton film, you know? It would have been. And, and that's why thing. it's perfect for a Craig film. Yeah. The great thing about this song is those opening credits are, f- are fucking fantastic with those cards. Oh, the animation? Yeah, all animated cards. It's got Okay, like... so you remember, you remember we did the episode a while back on music videos? Yeah. I was thinking of just picking this and saying, Oh, I wish you had. 
I wish you had. I would have backed you to the fucking hilt on that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I mean, we're getting it out of the way now, but this is one of the best Bond openings, one of the best intros. I love the the way they play with the like suit of cards. Yeah, like that. And how it and how it syncs up perfectly with the lyrics. Yeah, the spade turns into a bullet from a gun, and like they they use them as Club like blows up and it just strings away. Yeah, they use them as throwing knives and. The oh, yeah, the diamonds are throwing knives and you see the blood come out. Yeah, it's just so imaginative. And the way that he walks towards the camera and he goes from being an animated silhouette and then you see kind of like a ray of light just across his eye and you see those piercing blue eyes. And yeah. I'm, I'm confirmed 100% heterosexual, but I tell you what... Daniel times, Craig is a handsome man. At times like that, I question myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy that's, has that's got... That's a handsome man. He's got a stare that could... Jesus you know, Christ. I found it. I, now that you're saying that, I find it funny because one of the big things in the movie, you know, usually with a Bond movie, you you you, uh, you promote like, oh, here's the Bond girl in you know bikini or whatever, <laughs> right? For this yeah. movie, it was all like, oh, here's Daniel Craig in this speedo. Yeah, coming out of the ocean. It was coming like out of the ocean, and I'm like, and I'm like, this. Yeah, I guess this is where we're going. Yeah, it was like right. We had Halle Berry do the Ursula Andress thing in the last movie. Uh, we're gonna have. Go, but, didn't go too well. We're gonna have Daniel Craig do it in this one, and it yep. blew up. Everybody loved it. Not to say that the Bond girl in this one wasn't good, because uh, I think Eva Green is that her name. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Now we're getting into territory where I just won't shut up. Eva Green, Eva Green, however you pronounce her name. Esper Lind. She is probably, if she's not my favorite Bond girl, I don't know who is. I she am, might be my favorite too. I'm in love with that woman, and not just because she's an amazing-looking woman, but the character that she plays in this movie is so nuanced and just so perfectly acted and written, and everything about that character is absolutely spot-on. And I, you can't blame Bond for falling in love with her and being cut up when she dies. And he's yeah, they they go Lazenby with it. Yeah, and he's still conflicted about her. And it's, yeah. it's in the book, you know, the Vesper Lynn, it, it's a big part of, of Casino Royale, but the novel She's the first well. Bond girl, basically. She is. She is the reason why he's broken. And it's kind of annoying that we had to wait 20, 21 movies to find out why he was so broken. Unless but you I'm factor in the it. whole uh, Honor Majesties. I suppose you could... Because for a long time, that's really all lot of, all people had to go on if they didn't read the books. Yeah, and if if you make the argument that the films are not made in chronological order of occurrence, you can argue that On Her Majesty's Secret Service might have been one of his first missions, and that's why he's such a broken mess of a man. It would also explain why he looks so young compared to Connery. True, but now that we have Casino Royale, we don't have to worry about that. No, because it's is... still a great film. Mm. So, and also this if anybody hasn't seen Her Majesties, I would say go watch it. Absolutely. Um, what I like about the Daniel Craig movies is, just to go on a, a slight aside, is that having now seen Spectre and, and knowing kind of like this, the, these four movies, it all links together and it's one long story. And that's something that we haven't seen in Bond before, is one actor taking the character from and beginning to end over Having a long-form story? Yeah. Like a massive yeah. character arc, I. It's so annoying that we haven't had that before because it seems so obvious now, looking back on these movies, that this is what you can do. I think only I actually I think only the Dalton films did it really. I think, because yeah, License maybe. to Kill does have yeah, a few right. references to Daylights. 
Or is it the other way around? Daylights has references to Futile Kill. No, Kill Kill came out afterwards. Did it? I thought Living Daylights came out after. No, Daylights was the first Dalton film, and then License to Kill was. The oh, License to Kill. Sorry, I thought you said Futile Kill. I don't know why. No, 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 no. Um, License has references to Daylights in it. Yeah. Uh, if I remember right, so I think Dalton, the Dalton films were the only ones to do that whole chronological order thing. Mm. Well, at least Daylight, they were attempting something like that. Daylights has, has got obviously the Felix Leiter relationship is explored. yeah, and then Felix comes back. Yeah, in License, we know what happens there. Yeah, so there is some, there is some, uh, there's something chronological there. Mm. Uh, Craig is the only other Bond I think to do that. I think there's suspicions of it in GoldenEye into Tomorrow Never Dies uh, because of the fact that you think GoldenEye that is kind of him trying to win M over and then you get to Tomorrow Never Dies and it's kind of like he's on his mission in Russia or wherever it was at some arms market. Was that Tomorrow Never Dies or The World Is Not Enough? Mm. Tomorrow Never Dies was the it Rupert was Murdoch the Rupert one. Murdoch guy, but at the very beginning, like the opening sequence before the titles, I think I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies. We'll go with I mean, that anyway. Judy, Judy Dench is not really fond of Brosnan no, in any of those films. but here's the thing. Except um, World is Not Enough, actually. Very true. Very true. But that is true. There's something to look into that the, with the, the whole chronological... The, the chronological like growth of M. Yeah, like the the, the relationship between Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, the World Is Not Enough. There's a massive amount of foring that takes place between those three movies. To the point you really got to dig for it though. Well, not necessarily because she thinks that he's a dinosaur in Goldeneye. She says as much. You're an anachronism. You're a, a, a relic of a bygone age. And then um, he's like, "I'm not Connery." Yeah, and then <laughs> in know? Tomorrow Never Dies, um, if I'm thinking of the right movie. Um, you've got, um, I can't remember his name, but he, he's playing a, uh, a British naval, um, like general or something, uh, or admiral even, and he's in the command center with M and Bond is saying, I'm going for the, I'm going for the jet. I'm going for the jet. And the, this admiral is like, what's he doing? Blah, 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 blah. Get him back here. And M just like very calmly turns around and says, he's doing his job. And it's like, it's not really obvious. It's very subtle. But you get the feeling that she's like, she's starting to defend Bond now because she feels protective towards him. Like you get the feeling that in GoldenEye she wouldn't have given a shit. But yeah. in the in the next couple of films, she defends him where she wouldn't have done in Goldeneye at all, and it's because she, if she doesn't like him, she respects him certainly because she's seen what he's able to do and what he he has already done. Um, and maybe there's a little bit of a chronology kind of flowing through there, but it's never been as obvious as it has been with the Daniel Craig movies, especially with characters carrying over. Like I think Mister White might be in all four movies. Which is just like he's not even a main character. He's just like a throwaway villain from the first movie that keeps cropping up somehow. Yeah. Um it it's a really, really clever series of films. Um I I can't believe that they didn't really with the exception. I don't know of how much of that films. is on purpose and how much of that is on accident though. I think as you get into Skyfall um, you realise that they're telling an overall story, and then obviously Spectre 
because it's the most recent film and because they finally have the rights to Spectre, they can then kind of retcon a few things and kind of feed other stuff into it. Yeah. So there's an awful lot of stuff. But even um, in Skyfall, I think they mentioned Vesper. And obviously Quantum of Solace is a direct sequel to um, to Casino Royale. It pretty much follows straight on from it. Well, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna bring up you're not gonna have a scene like that and then have the Bond come back. No, and because the whole selling point of the Craig films was these are grounded in reality. Yeah, these are this is a harder Bond. It's not as goofy. It's not as silly. It was the reboot that I guess people wanted. I think it was and... what was required after uh, films like Triple X and The Bourne Identity. Well, if you watch Triple X recently, Triple X is uh, about as goofy as a more film. Oh, it's fucking goofy. It's uh, it's I it's it's trash, but I like it. Oh, I love um, it. I love it. And there's talk that because that made... was the whole selling point of Triple X is um, hey, James Bond is like you know he's all stuffy and old. Yeah, yeah, I Here's remember. Vin Diesel playing Xander Cage. <laughs> Agent Triple X, welcome to the Xander Zone. There's talk that he might be back for another one. I don't know how they would do that. Because really? Because they killed him off. In, yeah. I, I guess they'll do something. I can't sort of believe I know weird. this. How do I know the Triple X mythos? Oh, God. Well, there was only two movies, thank God. Yeah. God yeah. knows how Ice Cube is an upgrade on fucking Vin Diesel. Right? <laughs> how the fuck is a fat former rapper an upgrade on he, he he can be good in movies oh i don't doubt his acting chops but come on he doesn't look yeah anywhere near as threatening as anyway blah, whatever um let's listen to another really really good this is a grower for me this next one it wasn't one that i liked immediately but it grew on me see this is where you i think this is the first time tonight that you and i are going to split well, we did well. <laughs> we did well. We did pretty well. Um, I don't... There's just something about it that doesn't do it for me. And I really can't pinpoint what it is. But it's almost like it's too much going on. Yeah. If that makes any sense. I think it it works for me now. I think when I saw it in cinema to begin with, the fact that it was Jack White and Alicia Keys and the way they delivered their lines it didn't really click but the more I've listened to this song over the years the more I've grown to like it it definitely it, feels like a Bond theme at least the no, instrumentation no, I, I agree with that um, you know what I think I can sum this up well I think it's just a little overproduced yeah I, I could see that there's a bit much going on in the song that doesn't need to go on, and this was one of those cases where, for me at least, uh, less less could have been more. Yeah. Um, like, they're both singing over each other, and that doesn't do it for me. No. Um, it's just, as I'm hearing it, I'm sort of just picking up on why, it, why it's not. I like how rough it is. Like, the, the way that they sing over each other and the notes that they choose to deliver... And even the way that the horns are slightly off-key. I, I can definitely see the appeal of that. Like, but I, I, feel like, almost, I don't think it's a bad song, mind you. I feel like it almost... Um, because, I mean, rem remembering the way that Quantum of Solace carried, it had an element of license to kill about it in that he was kind of grounded. But he decided to say, fuck it, I'm doing it anyway. Which is something he did in Casino Royale as well. Yeah, um, I mean, this movie is a lot uh, weaker. 
It's definitely the weakest. It's the weakest uh, of the Craig movies, without a doubt. I, I it's not no very memorable. Uh, and for a long time, I felt the same way about the song. I feel very sorry for the actress that played Strawberry Fields. I really in, like her. In, in this one? Yeah, yeah. She was the one that got the golden eye treatment. No, not golden eye. The gold finger treatment, except with crude oil. Strawberry Fields. Um, she picks him up at the airport. Gemma Arterton. Gemma Arterton, yeah. yeah. I love Gemma Arterton. She was fantastic in um, St. Trinian's. In what? St. Trinian's. Um, it was a, a, they did a couple of, um, of them in the last few years. It's uh, a reboot of a British film series about a bunch of schoolgirls who are it's kind of... It's a comedy of, series? Yeah, they're, they're a bunch of like miscreants like uh oh she was gretel in hansel and gretel <laughs> yes she was yeah over here i think that's the most popular thing she's been in i can't believe they thought that they could pass off her and jeremy renner as being brother and sister it like, was a little well she turned on a they both had american accents there's a 20 year age gap he could pass as young <laughs> she passes as 19 he passes as mid 30s yeah, that's true. He can't pass any that. younger than that. Uh, I, I do feel bad for the other Bond girl in this movie. Whose um, name I don't remember I remember I remembered her from other films. Oh, I know she was in the first Hitman, actually. Brazilian girl, was she, or something? Or uh, Olga Kurilenko. Yeah, she was in the... Um, oh, God. Um, the Tom Cruise sci-fi movie. She was in Oblivion. I love Oblivion. We'll go into that in a second as to why, but I really okay. do. I dig Oblivion. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard from Oblivion only because of my girlfriend, really, who has issues with it, mm. but kind of likes the idea of it. Yeah, I, I think it has um, a strong I've just heard premise. it kind of falls apart near the end. I, I think that's definitely the case, but I, I think um, my love for it comes from more of like a, a technical standpoint, um, which we oh, may as well Visually, the movie's beautiful. It is, um, and... I think I, I may as well go into it now since that song has come to an end at exactly the right point. Um, a lot of the movie is set in these kind of um, floating buildings in the sky, right? Yeah. Um, and a feature of these buildings is that they're all kind of like white. Uh, they've got massive glass fronts on them. You can see the sky and the earth outside. Something that I heard about before I went into the cinema and I was just like, why would they bother doing that? Was that instead of using CG to uh, show the sky and the, the earth out of the window, they erected huge LCD screens or projector screens or something. And they projected like ultra high definition images of what they wanted to see onto those screens. And the reason they did that was because there were so many reflective surfaces within the living area that it would have been a nightmare, first of all, to replicate all of those reflections uh, post-production. But also they felt that it just gave it more of a warm feeling, like it was actually there. So it was, it was a cost-cutting measure that ended up being really cool. Yeah. Something about it just makes that, that all of those scenes feel much more real and i i can't explain it any more than that really but i'm a big proponent of using practical effects wherever the hell you can evil dead and yep what about you know because it almost killed him <laughs> um 
Fuck it did, didn't it? Yeah, but they got away with it. They got away with it in the end. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of Oblivion for that, and also I think it's just a really original idea for a, a sci-fi story. And yeah, it, it, your girlfriend's right; it does fall down nearer the end. Um, but I think that the experience coming out of that movie, from you know the technical standpoint of of what they did and how they did it, and the story that I invested in. Pardon me. Oh, yawning. <laughs> Nearly three o'clock. They, you know, I, I invested in that story, and I got to a point where I was just like, "I'm fucking enjoying this. I don't care what happens." So, as weak as that last fifteen twenty minutes was, it doesn't detract from the fact that the rest of that movie doesn't detract from the experience. It's yeah, it's a fantastic sci-fi movie experience. It's the sort of thing you go to the cinema, you pay your money, you sit down, and you get blown away for two hours, and you come out thinking. I wouldn't have been able to experience that at home if I'd watched it on my computer or if I watched it on yeah. the TV. It's something you have to watch in the cinema. It's just to feel the scale of it. It's a it's a really good film. I mean, I'd recommend it just for something different. Yeah. Right. So should we move on to uh, Adele's award-winning? <laughs> oh man, I fucking love this, and um, I'm having to use YouTube because um, <laughs> I uh, my album doesn't contain anything from Skyfall or uh, the... Uh, how, how awful we don't have the Sam Smith's. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, um, isn't it? It's alright, I can YouTube it. So, uh, I just need to put it on mute for a second because I'm getting an Xbox advert. For Fallout 4, which is out now, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not playing it. My girlfriend's it. going crazy. Not playing it yet. I will play it. But... She's she's not either. She's going crazy waiting until she has the money safely to spend on it. Because <laughs> I, there I, are just, problems. I just don't have the, the time for it at the moment. Yeah, but you know how people are, man. They shut off their lives. No, no. I, I just mean not even from, from that point of view. I literally just mean like I've still got Metal Gear Solid to finish. I haven't even started yeah. Far Cry 4. Um, I've been playing Shadow of Mordor. Uh, uh, yeah, I I know you, uh, you you said I I it didn't click for me. I know that's fine. Uh, funny enough, like I, I've tried to play the Assassin's Creed games mm. since the first one, which is the only one I've enjoyed, and none of them have been able to do it for me. Mm. But playing this is basically all I ever wanted from those games. It's and the, the uh, I've never fantastic. had so much fun doing side quests. I usually jump straight into story <laughs> and ignore side quests, but it's yeah. the opposite here. I ju- it just um. It lost me from that point of view. I, I didn't it. think I could be so invested in an orc's career. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, apparently you are. Yeah. I really want to see old uh, old Zugboog make it to the top, you know? <laughs> he's a real... He's, <laughs> he's a real you, trooper. I'm going to make you the top of the tree. Size yeah. of a tangerine. <laughs> right. Skyfall. Well, they sure went big with this one, didn't they? Didn't they? They went with the whitest black girl. <laughs> with a voice like that, come on. She's so fucking good, though. Like, I'm not a yep. big Adele fan in in general, but... And uh, spoilers, because I'm watching this on YouTube, I'm watching the, uh, the opening uh, titles that go with it. There's a few little neat things in the openings that I think are really clever. Like, uh, when it goes over M's uh, title credits... Yeah. It's hovering over it's ho- it's hovering over a gravestone. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? I didn't. You can see if you can catch that there. Cuz it's really neat. Oh 
man, that song's so good. But here's the thing, right? I criticise Sam Smith, and rightly so, uh, for not doing... Oh, here come the... Just a second. Albert Finney. Judy Dench's M as you go straight through the... Yeah. Grave. Oh, man. It's little things like that, man. Yeah, you don't pick up on it to begin with, do you? Oh, there's those realize, fucking holy eyes shit, again. That's clever. There's those fucking eyes. Good God. Take me now, Daniel. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, yeah, like, it's not a Bond theme, this. It I is, don't think so. It, no, it's not. But, with these opening themes, somehow it is. It's, it feels it's, like a Bond theme to me. It's really difficult to describe, but... I, I think the thing that kind of allows it to be a, a Bond theme is the fact that those strings are running through the back constantly. I think... Strings you know what? I, I, I think this does all the things that a Bond theme does right. Because yeah. uh, it starts off at a slow level. It builds. It starts off very, very relaxed, very... You know, compressed, and then it just builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up. Mm. And Adele can definitely build up, as we know from her uh, vocal talents. Mm. And like, it's not—it's she's not going full Shirley Bassey with it, but you know, she, she's a different kind of vocalist. Yeah. But it's—it's it's got this—it's got the right tone for the movie. It definitely suits uh, the movie. So, some of the better Bond themes have a. You know, they just suit the movie. License to Kill. Yeah. It just fits that movie so well. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, the world is not enough. Also, uh, Spy Who Loved Me. Nobody does it better. This is just one of those themes that it it just it, it may not be a send up of the Bond themes, but it fits the film perfectly. Mm. It know? definitely f it fits these opening titles. No doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And it has and, and it doesn't horns. hurt that it's a damn good song. Oh, it's a fantastic song. Like, never take that away from it. It really is. It's so unfortunate that the follow-up to this is. Um... <laughs> and actually, yeah. Now you say it, like the build-up. There it is. It's like now suddenly it's got everything. It's got the strings. It's epic. It's got it's, the tension. Yeah. It's it's epic. Oh, here it, she goes. Yeah, she's going full Tom Jones with that one. Oh, and there's those eyes again. Fucking hell. Might as well just bring me to climax right now. Yeah. She 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 I mean she's going near Tom Jones. No one quite gets to that level. <laughs> Nobody goes near Tom. No. Can't beat that Thunderball note. <laughs> no, certainly not. Almost killed the man. Right, I'm searching now for I I hate that I'm doing this and this is gonna end up on my search history. Right. Just pause your search <sighs> history. The writings on the wall. Okay. I mean, the good news is you're going to have no trouble sleeping after this one. Oh, Jesus. Isn't it just? <laughs> right, here we go then. I'll probably get an advert first. Yep, here's an advert. What is that? I don't know, but it's better music than what we're going to listen to. I suppose. Oh, it's the, uh, the eye watch. Now, this... This could have been good. That's Bond. You mean the intro? That's Bond, yeah. Yeah, yeah that could have been good. The intro is fantastic. But then... 
I was forgiving to a point. I want to give the listeners a moment. Can you guys pinpoint what's wrong with this song? Have you figured it out? I just don't fucking like him. <laughs> no, I, I I don't like him either. But but I've said before on the podcast. I think I have. Um, mm. Either when we were chatting or on the podcast that uh, Sam Smith is a poor man's James Blake. Mm. That's so fucking true. It's just so fucking true. I hate Sam Smith's bland, boring music. Baby. He's just baby lyrics. This, this, that moment right there, that yeah, chorus, too flat. That's the most. That's it's not even the flatness. That's the most tense the song gets. What the fuck is this bit? Fucking falsetto, right? This bit pisses me off so much. Like, there's potential with that kind of big build-up crescendo, just right? Then. Yeah, just before then. Yeah, but the problem is it builds up and it doesn't go up. Just no. stays, it goes back down. He just relieves all that tension. He might as well just now, call you, it there. You've seen Spectre, right? Yeah. Does this song suit the movie? Do you know what? The That opening, you know the string opening at the very beginning of this song? Yeah. That runs through the entire movie and it's fantastic. But I feel... But that's almost, a coda, you know? That, that's, yeah, no, that's exactly it. I feel like they said, right, we've got this thing that we're using. So take this, work it into your song. It doesn't feel like the other way around. It doesn't feel like the, the film takes this song and does stuff with it. It feels like he's taken some music they've had composed and he's done something with it. Here we go again. It's like it builds you up thinking, all right, we're going we're gonna to get into Going it Going somewhere with this yeah. song. Here we go. Now, the song, you know what? You know what this, this is how I'm going to describe the song. Mm. It's a very bad blowjob. <laughs> you get right to the end and then it's like oh we're going somewhere with this no okay I'm not sure what you were thinking with that but it's like you were doing everything right the balls were cradled the shaft was worked you know yeah everything was good we had Javier Bardem in the last one and then you got so far and then you gagged and then that was ruined it yeah that false that falsetto for me that that's him gagging I hate Sam Smith I'm, I'm not I'm not his I'm not his biggest fan. And the thing is, like, it works as a Sam Smith song. I'm not saying it's a bad song, because it's not. There are elements of it, like the strings you said, where they're... That's the thing I hear it, and I think to myself, this could have been a good song. Mm. This could have been a good Bond theme. It's got the elements, they just haven't been put together in the right way. No, it's just, it's... it's. I would say this to, to people who listen to this song. The first verse and the chorus is basically the whole song. It is. It's There's report. nothing separating any of the other verses. It's There's nothing separating the rest of the song from that. Yeah. It's build up, go back down, there's no climax. Build up, go back down, there's no climax. Build up, go back down, there's no climax. Like much of Sam Smith's music, there is no tension, there is no feeling. It's just, oh god, that falsetto sucks. It does, doesn't it? I really want to punch him in the face. <laughs> I shouldn't be saying that, but I really want to. 
It's a damn shame that this is a Bond theme. It is. And the thing, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Spectre is the greatest film in in the Bond franchise history. Because Sh should I see it? You should definitely see it, and I'll tell you okay. why. And um, if I unintentionally spoil anything for anyone listening, then I apologise. Or, or for you. I do want to. I do want to ask how is um, how is Doctor King Schultz as a? Oh, he's amazing. He's Blofeld, right? I I love. Christoph Waltz in He's many, fantastic. many things. I'm going to give a spoiler warning and I'm going to do the whole Chris Hardwick countdown thing. So anyone that's listening that doesn't want to hear certain aspects of Spectre, switch off now. Five, four, I mean, three, I'll, I'll stick two, around. Fuck it. One. I haven't seen it yet. But... Okay. It's their fault. Um, he plays a character called Franz Oberhauser, who is the okay. son of the man who raised Bond. Uh, for a couple of years after his parents were um, after his parents died um, and it, he I mean yeah it, it, it's fairly obvious he's going to become Blofeld um, okay. but I the, the real great thing about this movie and this is the thing, it's like, if you've seen all of the other Daniel Craig movies, then this is a fantastic companion piece for them. But as a standalone movie, I wouldn't say it's great. It's very good, but it's not great. Um, it's a bit... It's a movie for the fans. It is, yeah. It, it's, it basically, it's, it, it ties everything up, and it brings Spectre back into the fold, so That's that cool they can expand on that afterwards. And Would you say that, um... Would you say that, um... That Walt's like sort of does he surpass Bardem or or he's about on the same level? Because Bardem, like I'm Spanish, I, he's one of our he's one of our best exports. I think Bardem is better, but I think that's because he's playing a different kind of bad guy. Um, Waltz's character is very much uh, a manipulator and someone that pulls strings, but never Behind gets the scenes. yeah, but never gets his hands dirty. Bardem's character. So in that sense, he's a bit more like um, his character in Inglorious Bastards. Very much so, yeah. Okay. Um, Bardem's character, as you know, former agent, able to handle himself, um, gets involved in everything that he does. He knows what he's doing. He's a threat. Like, there's no way that you can't consider Silver to be a threat, because he is. Um, yeah. And that's just because that's his background. Um but it, it's a it's a very very good movie. I really enjoyed it. It's a little bit long, and it kind of feels like it's missing something. Like there's no big kind of there's no big uh, send off. Not really. Yeah, it's it's a it's 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 a strange one. Um, but I think you will, as a Bond fan, you will appreciate it. You, I will bet good money that you will notice a lot of the little things that they've put in there for the big Bond fans. Little references. Little references to movies before Craig's time. References to the Craig movies as well. Um, there are references to um, Goldfinger. Uh, there's a reference to... It's a very thinly veiled... It, this is the thing. Like I might be stretching here. I might just be seeing things that aren't there. But there is a scene in the movie that reminds me of Doctor No, very, 
very strongly and when you've seen the movie then we'll talk about it again and I'll see if you noticed it and then I'll ask you whether I'm just searching for it too much but I I really enjoyed it I I think as a love letter to Bond and as a way of if this is Daniel Craig's last movie as Bond I think it's a fantastic send-off for him I really do. I mean, I've heard I've heard nothing but good things. Uh, I've heard. I mean, stuff. everyone basically says Skyfall's the, you know, um, that's I, the one. But I, uh, everyone I know seen it says it's a great film. I I think that Skyfall and Casino Royale are both on an even footing for different reasons. Um, I think one in Casino Royale is is very important because it really gives us a view of why Bond is the way he is with the women in his life. And Arguably, Scott... the writers had the, hard, had the hardest job with that film. I think so, yeah. Because they had to reimagine the whole thing. Mm. Um, Skyfall explains him in general, like his backstory more. So, And I think they do a fantastic job. And again, it brings some stuff in, like the DB5 comes in and, and all that kind of stuff. And it brings a lot of the original kind of backstory of Bond into it which hasn't been touched on before like the fact that his parents died in a climbing accident his mother was French his his father was British it gives him good backstory it's fantastic backstory but it's respectful of the original um, yeah writings you know um, Quantum of Solace is without a doubt the weakest movie that he's done and it's not a terrible film It's no 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 it's not it's terrible just, um, but if, it's if you just, take all four it's of a little films, generic if you take all four of those films, it is the furthest one behind the rest. Um, it's basically like saying, right, okay, you've got to rank these fruits in terms of what's nicest. And all four fruits you really enjoy eating, but one of them is... One of them's not quite as good as the other. One of them's a kiwi fruit, and they're a fucking pain in the ass. You're not a fan arse. of kiwis, huh? No, no, I like kiwi fruit, but they're a pain to eat, because you've got to, get, you've got to cut it in half, you've got to get a spoon, you've got to yeah, you know what I mean, and like the other three are like banana, orange, and apple, and you know you're like, well, they're great fruits that I can eat straight away. You don't have to do any prep time or any prep work or anything. Um, I mean, I've gotten plenty of arguments with my girlfriend because I don't like bananas, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I see your point. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that Spectre is like a pineapple. It takes oh, that's, a, that's fantastic. Takes then. ages to that's... prepare, but when it's ready, my God, is it good to eat, dude? I'm I'm Caribbean. That's the best fruit, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Boom, um, yeah. But that's the thing. Like, I think as a as a Bond fan, I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, I man, hope you well, will. Anyway, I think we've covered just about everything. We have. We've covered the best. We've covered the worst. We've covered everything so, in between. So, what's the worst? We can agree on Sam. Sam Smith. Yeah, Sam Smith. I, I gotta go with Sam Smith. Yeah. It's just it doesn't go anywhere. And as bad not... as Madonna's is, <laughs> it's certainly memorable. Yeah, um, Sam Smith's song is not bad. It's just not a Bond theme for me. I'll be honest. Up until I heard Sam Smith's theme for a long time, I thought "All Time High" mm. was the worst one because it's just elevator music. But it has a certain <laughs> charm to it. Yeah, it's not. The thing about "All Time High" is is that it's. Very different. It definitely fits the film, and it works really well with the intro. It fits the film. It works with the intro. It feels like a Bond theme when you're watching the film. Yeah, if you consider that it's a <laughs> late more film. Yeah. So, then yeah, I guess it kind of works. You know, it, it, uh, it's his kind of speed. Die another day is just like 
Oy. Fuck, I, it's just a fucking mess, but at least that, at least you remember it. The thing that I like about Die Another Day is the fact that the um, the intro for the movie works. It has some cool so animation to it, and yeah, the and, little sparks and stuff. Yeah, and also the fact that it tells that story of he's been kidnapped. He's not hasn't been kidnapped. He's been captured by North Korea, and he's been tortured basically every day for three years. Um, and the whole kind of scorpion motif, which has no place in a Korean dungeon, but there we go. Um, I I really enjoy that intro, so I can't I can't put Madonna's effort underneath Sam Smith. I yeah. just can't. It's yeah. It's it was up until this year, Madonna was my least favorite of all time. But now Sam Smith. Good job, Sam Smith. Sam you, Smith you is managed to out Madonna. Madonna. Well done, Sam, for making me like Madonna for something. <laughs> and that's really hard for you guys because you had to deal with her when she was married to Guy Ritchie. I mean, we didn't mind her while she was over here. She made some good stuff. <laughs> no, it's the it's the Simpsons joke. Oh, fair enough. I don't. We'll let you Simpsons back. We'll let enough. you go back if you if you take Madonna with you. <laughs> um, and as for best, obviously, I've said the um, the theme from Can't Doctor the, the, No. There's the Bond theme. I think the Bond theme itself. But if I'm gonna pick. Let's say that we can't have the Bond theme because it's cheating. It's the Bond whatever. theme. It's, it's the Bond cheating. Theme, so it's it's taken out of the equation. What's your favorite? Jesus, um, it's really close. Uh, but honestly, oh man, <laughs> it's like there's no right or wrong choice. But you know, I know. It, well, look 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 at it this way. It's really close between License to Kill and View to a Kill. Yeah. I can understand and those choices. because it's just so catchy. Yeah. And it has all the right elements. I got to go with You to a Kill. I love that song. I it's love a, that song so much. It's a fucking great song. That I can hear it constantly and I never get tired of it. <laughs> that song is in my uh, top five easily. Yeah, it's it's definitely top five. I yeah. do want to say some uh, an honorable mention. because Yeah, License to it. Kill, Gladys Knight. Uh, and, you know, uh, there's also um, Nobody Does It Better, which... For a lot of people, I think they consider that the best one. I, or at I, least the best intro cinematic. The the weird thing for me is that it's very difficult to rate them because, yeah, I, it's hard. My you bottom, just asked me to, and it's hard. my my bottom two are are there, and they will stay there. And my yeah. fa- my my best, maybe not my favorite, but the best Bond theme is obvious, and that's at the top. But basically, everything else is in a state of flux and it depends on what my mood is what bond I'm digging at the moment but I have to say for the most number of plays because all of those songs that we've listened to today I have them pretty much all on my iPod and the one that gets played more than any other of those songs is You Know My Name so great theme I think for me Chris Cornell has snuck it he he snuck it He's he's come a long way from Soundgarden Yep, he has. And I love Soundgarden as well. Black Hole Sun. Yeah. Fucking great fucking song. I have that album. Super Unknown? Yeah. It's the great fucking album. Um But yeah, that that's that's definitely in my top five also. It's it's like I said, it's really like you said, it's really it's a lot easier to rate the worst than it is to rate yeah. the best. I think I have about twenty songs that are in my top five. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it certainly feels that way. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's I I think we've pretty much summed up. We've gone a long way. Well, that's it. I don't know how we're going to release this. It's definitely going to be available via a link that I shall post on my Twitter, and we'll try and get that retweeted by everyone else. 
Well, you know, hopefully nobody did it better. Oh, I'm sure someone has, bastards. Um, <laughs> but um, we will uh, definitely get this up on archive.org because that's the only way I know how to post stuff that hasn't got an iTunes feed. And um, you never know, it might find its way onto the um, Generation Animation feed as an extra or something. We we don't know. <laughs> we'll wait and see. But um, I, guess, I guess that's it. So until who, next time. Who should time. play us off? Should it be Louie? I think... Do you know what? That's a fucking brilliant idea. I think yeah. Louis should play yeah, us I off. Think, um, we got all the time in the world. And after two hours and 40 minutes, we've got enough time for another three. We did it for England, Dave. <laughs> for England, James. <laughs> no, for me. Oh! <laughs> if you can't laugh at Sean Bean hitting the floor... Oh, man. And you can't laugh at anything. Oh, he's had some of the most memorable deaths. He Fall, really falling has, and then when he doesn't die, like it's him. weird as hell. Having his head chopped off. He didn't die in National Treasure, and that's still really strange to me. Walking to Mordor. Oh, you know what we need? We need a Nicolas Cage Bond film. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Only if he's the villain. Wouldn't that be great, though? It would be fucking amazing. Wouldn't that be great? Just have... No, you know what? You're, you're, the Tomorrow Never Dies, he should have played the villain instead of Jonathan Price. Oh, that would have been great. I'm going to kidnap the Statue of Liberty <laughs> using my media news network. The bees! The bees! I'm going to shoot bees at James Bond. You'll never be able to fight it, yeah. And then when he puts the bunny back in the box... How do you think you're going to get away with this? Well, it's quite simple, really. I'm going to put you in a giant wicker man full of bees and uh, I'm going to take a shitload of coke. If I change faces with John Travolta, he'll never know it was me. Oh my god. Oh. Quick question before we go. Who do you think the next Bond should be? Um. I really don't know, man. <laughs> it was easy. It was easy for me with Craig. Yeah. It was easy for me with Craig. Um. But now. Cause honestly, like I think it, at this point, it's it's. Uh, I think at this point, like y you have a better idea, considering that there's no, there's no chance of a Bond ever being anything but British at this point. I I think there's a possibility that if someone can put on a decent British accent, they will get the gig. I don't know, man. Um, I think I think that they want to keep Bond a British guy. Mm. After their foray um, into Australia. You know, I mean, they all, you know, they they had an Irish guy for a while. I think, uh, that's, which that's is British, depending on who you ask. Well, it, it depends if you're from the north or the south. But um, yeah, yeah. He's um, let me let's think. Who could? It's a, hmm, it's a bugger, isn't it? Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch got linked to it, but I think he's a bit. I lightweight. hope not. He he's, looks like a fucking alien. He's lightweight physically. He looks like an alien. Hmm. He looks weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like I said, I got all these Weabrit girls who obsess with Benedict Cumberdash, and I'm like, he oh, looks like man. a fucking alien. Do me a favor. Yeah. Give, give them my Twitter handle. <laughs> Just be like, here's a real British he's, man. He's a real Brit, and he's coming in February. A real man's man, Dave he, William Regal. He, he's Roberts. coming. He's coming to February. He's coming to Florida in February. So if you play your cards right, it'll come in you too. Oh, they're not, I don't know. They're not the types. <laughs> I don't think they're the types you'd be crazy about. Okay, never mind then. You'd probably get tired of them. No, they 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 just get upset because you don't look like David Tennant. 
I can make myself look like David Tennant. I'll grow the hair out. I'll affect a weird accent, and I'll go tiny yeah, just, wimey just, stuff. Yeah, just just basically go around Florida doing that. <laughs> it's a good way to get put in an institution, right? Oh man. All right, I think we've outstayed our welcome in everyone's ears now. <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. Next bond. Oh, go. Next bond. Uh, uh, not because I think it's a good idea, but because I think his name will get brought up. And Twilight's done. They're just <gasps> going to say Pattinson. <laughs> oh. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I'm saying they'll mention him. Do you know what? That's not a bad call. That's, well, if you go for a younger face... That's actually cool. not a bad call. I don't know if they'll want someone slightly older, but that's... If you, like, if, you, if you do another like series, we go for a younger Bond. Hmm. Um, and I think other people might say Garf- Andrew Garfield, but no, he looks like a fucking... He looks like a rooster. I Oh, something just popped into my head. I don't know if he wants to get involved in another franchise movie, but Fassbender... He would make a great Bond. Mm-hmm. I actually think he'd make a great Bond. Um, isn't he German? I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> well, he's he's German and Irish. He so. does a fantastic Irish accent, which, being Irish, I guess... He's, not, he's half Irish. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be why. He's, he's Irish and German, so... That would explain the German in Inglorious. You know what? I'm going to go with that. Um, yeah. Let's go with yeah, Fassbender. I'm going to say uh, Michael Fassbender. He can do a good accent. And if he's busy, then, I don't know, Brian Blessed. I call you Jackman to get the soys of a tangerine. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Well, he's done with Wolverine. Although he'd be a bit old by now. I don't know. He's too busy playing Metabots. <laughs> <laughs> good night, everybody. Oh, good night.